I'm Alan Barr, and this is Radio Free RPG. Hello, I'm Alan Barr, and welcome to Radio Free RPG. Today I'm joined by a guest I am very excited about, one of my most frequent collaborators, uh, Nicholas Giacondino. Nick, how are you? Right, great. Now that you've put on your sexy voice, I, I can't, you know, you can ask me I anything. Prefer to, <laughs> I prefer to think of it as my NPR voice. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's great. It gets, you know, it gets you right in the mood for some questions. <laughs> well, good. Maybe I'll go into some audiobooks. Oh, wow. That would be amazing. That'll be the next thing I do. Yeah, amongst oh. others. <laughs> So, uh, Nick, you are an artist by trade, and notably, you and I have collaborated on must be dozens of projects at this point. Yeah, and you know what? I, I didn't realize that, um, or maybe, you know, I realized we've worked a lot together, but it's when you are at a con and you take some pictures of the booth, of the, the Gallant Night Games booth, that then I see all of those illustrations, all of those covers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> you it's, you have done uh, dozens of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A it's a lot. It's a lot. And sometimes in the in the, in the rush of deadlines and, and, you know, trying to right. get to everything, you kind of miss the, the, the quantity of, of the work you've, you've been doing or we've been doing right. because, you yeah. know, well, and not just me, you've done work for other RPGs as well. So you are yes. prolific as an artist, maybe, is the word we'd use here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm very prolific as an artist. Although uh, I, I usually get the, 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 the complaint because you can't escape certain right. things in the business. I was, I was watching a, a documentary about uh, Osamu Tezuka, the, the Japanese god of manga, and uh, yes. I was relieved that he was also hounded by his editors, uh, uh, telling him that he was late and that, you know, they were n not going to be able to publish some story. And the guy did like, you know, 30 pages in a day. So, yeah, if uh, Samu Tezuka <laughs> got in right. trouble with his editors, <laughs> I can cut some slack to myself. But, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've done the, a lot of work. Uh, the ever-present deadline is a creative issue, I think, for all oh, of us. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, it's more of a uh, it's more of a publishing thing. But if you give an artist a lot of time, they'll take a lot of time too. So it's a it's a yeah. balance that you have to strike. Because uh, I I I suffer it myself. Sometimes I want to do something. Sure. And if I have no deadline, if I don't set myself any boundaries, I just, you know, can go on forever. And then at some point oh. I'm going to go like, oh, I had to do that really cool project that I never did. I'll do it tomorrow and tomorrow never arrives. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and so, there's always a, a lot of uh, ideas flowing. So there's always yes. another idea that's, you know, coming in and another thing and you saw a movie and you read a book and it's like, uh, yeah, you have to be pretty strict. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so you were about to say, in a you were about to say uh, a moment ago before we continued on with deadlines being the bane of our lives. You've <laughs> totally. done a bunch of work for Gallant Night Games, but you've done a bunch of work yes. for other games as well and other mediums. What have you What have you done that people might know? Oh well, one of the first things that I think uh, I did professionally that people recognized, and it was one of the um, most you know uh, known published books I put out was Free Mars, which was a webcomic at first, and then we collected it into um, a couple of, of tomes. Uh, the first one was self-published, and then we got picked up by a, a publishing company there in the States, and they put out another, you know, collected edition with some additional sure. materials and so forth. I had done a previous published work which was called utopia that one came first but you know it was a really independent effort so didn't get much sure. traction then i started working with outland entertainment over there in the states more often and through them i got to gallant night games and alan bar specifically <laughs> and he was the one that opened i mean i'm making you personally responsible for this you opened the floodgates for the whole rpg <laughs> madness of work i mean to right now but i gotta say i love it i mean I, I grew up i grew up with with comics and and my my dream was to be a comic book artist but then it was like yeah, it's a lot of work, and you know the the comic book uh, business is pretty punishing. I mean, this there's the famous yes. Kirby phrase that uh, comics will break your heart, and they do. But we do them because we love them. And but like I said, I I I attended a, a, a an art school here uh, for a year to sort of get the basics and so forth, and I was going to study uh, illustration specifically. So what, what attracted me from RPG illustrating was that I was going to be able to just, you know, tell a story with a single image, which is, right. uh, it can be a lot of work, but for me, it's a really, how does, I don't want to say it's easy for me, but it's comfortable for me i, I really sure. like to use i'm very uh detail oriented so i always used to add a lot of detail to my images which in comics can become a problem really fast because you know a, a comic page has to come and go fast it's going to be read fast so you gotta get the key points across the page of what's going on you can't delay yourself, you know, illustrating these beautiful, uh, you know, forests and city landscapes and whatnot. You have to be concise and precise. In illustration, on the other hand, you can go a little crazy in details. And maybe those details add to the story that you're telling with one image. So I was right. really sort of leaning into the, the, the illustration field a little more and you came along and that sort of you know <laughs> clicked together perfectly because 
yeah. I get to do like it, it's it's also sort of faster for me because I have a lot of ideas and I have a lot of genres and 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 um, characters that I want to tackle and so RPGs provide that sort of fast-paced uh, jumping from one title to another which you don't sure. get with comics because well nowadays you do because you rarely last more than two or three issues in a comic but <laughs> in the there's, olden days uh, yeah you get locked into a particular character or series and you would do the yeah. same thing for a while yeah, yeah. Right? i mean uh, the the dream of a comic book artist uh for working for a big two would be you know a 12 issue run and 12 issues is like a year of your life easily or right. maybe a little more so yeah i mean it's great you can develop the character you can you know get across a lot of cool ideas with a character i don't know batman right but if halfway through you get yeah if halfway through you guys can't see the face that alan did but uh yeah batman we all know batman we we don't need to know more about batman he needs to go to therapy really yeah but <laughs> yeah six months into a run maybe you want to do something else and you're trapped right. there right you cannot leave you cannot i mean you can't leave but it's it's a dubious career option <laughs> if you just up and leave a successful comic yeah that's um i mean that's certainly true and that to a lesser extent is a trap in rpgs you can end up doing one genre like fantasy repeatedly yeah Totally. Especially and, if you have a very particular style or a strong style for something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I agree that mm, it's more of a, there we go again with the balance, with the balance thing. Right. Because it's, it's strange. I, I notice it in my, in my social media, right? Uh, I mean, people first identified me with strongly with science fiction. Right, because uh, a lot of my followers got into my artwork because I did a lot of uh, Warhammer forty thousand uh, fan art and illustrations in the Warhammer universe. So, you know, they were used to watching my Space Marines and whatnot. And then I started doing more fantasy, more fantasy stuff when I started working with with Gallant Night Games, and that was sure. like, oh wow, this guy can do fantasy great as well and usually yep. what happens is that the the common folk the one that doesn't know a lot about rpgs maybe or whatnot it tends right. to gravitate towards fantasy it's easier yep. to sell a lord of the rings than a foundation right yeah yeah the rpg space certainly has an orientation towards fantasy rpgs which yeah. is in my opinion a little bit odd compared to what you see in the rest of pop culture, you know, Lord of the Rings is popular, but it's certainly not at the level of Marvel or Star Wars, right? Yeah, Which, well, Star Wars, there right, are arguably the largest IPs in the world at the moment. Yeah, and and, and the Star Wars isn't even. In, yeah, yeah, and, and Star Wars isn't even sci-fi; it's a space opera. So, an even smaller genre. You know, if you if you were to sit people down to watch Flash Gordon. They would go crazy, but they can watch Luke Skywalker, you know, jumping around for hours. So 
yeah, it's a strange, and you have to strike a balance, and you have to, yeah, try to avoid, you know, getting typecast right. into a genre, or I mean, for me, particularly, I I cannot escape my style, so that's not something I'm going to be able to. Sure. I can play with my style. I can make it, you know, I can do those full color, you know, super rendered illustrations. I can do the stripped down Mignola black and white stuff. I can, you know, I can gravitate between mm, rendering styles, but my style, mm, yeah, that's a little more difficult to, to escape. So what I have found is that instead of trying to adapt yourself to a particular genre, sci-fi, fantasy, whatever, you, I mean, what makes you unique is your take on these different genres or monsters or whatever. Right. right? So because I see a lot of people sometimes, you know, cracking their heads, trying to come up with the next original concept and, and you know this is something that no one's ever seen before and yeah well likely we've seen it before yeah and when you have a lot of uh, experience in a field like you have for example i doubt that there's you know a, a new idea in rpgs that you're going to be like oh wow i never thought of this you can likely go back and say yeah you know there was there were these guys that that did it in 1985 right whatever but what you can bring to the table is how you portray exactly. those archetypes you know anyone can do a zombie book but only you can do your zombie book your zombies are going to be you know unique and i think that's where the the key to surviving in this business is <laughs> right. all about yeah, there's a there's a common sort of adage among game designers that if you think of a cool idea, Greg Stafford probably did it before. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes the foundations are the foundations for a reason, right? Right. So in the field of comics, for example, uh, Jack Kirby set a lot of those foundations. And working, it... I've been working like... 15 plus years in this and maybe i mean if we count the the amateur years it's more and i've found right. that the i've experimented a lot i've tried new things and whatever you want but you know you always go back to what he did that worked and it works for a reason so yeah what you can do right. is bring your own style to it Absolutely. there is a, i don't know if uh, i don't know if it's uh it's saying in, in there in the u.s but here we have a saying that says that you can give the same uh ingredients to 20 cooks and you'll get 20 different cakes right right so that, that translates yeah. well yeah yep yeah i often tell people that if you ask somebody <laughs> to define an rpg if you ask five people you'll get six different answers somehow yeah <laughs> totally yeah Exactly. So there's a 
one of my favorite books is All the Marvels by Douglas Wolk. And I, yes. you and I talked about this before. Yes. And there's a part when he's talking about Spider-Man and he's talking about how the shadow of Ditko and Kirby across Spider-Man and Fantastic Four in the early days caused people to mostly spend their time reinventing Kirby and Ditko and doing it not as well as they did. Right. Yes. You had these you had these arcs that were basically shadows and recreations and just aping the ideas that already existed. Yeah, totally. And it wasn't until folks took the themes and then respun them into new content that was different that those stories started to resonate again, in a sense. Exactly. Which is why I think Romita Sr. got the notoriety he got drawing a Spider-Man. Because he right. didn't want to do a Ditko. He came in and, and you know, Stan Lee was like, yeah, Excelsior, you know, you're going to draw this book. <laughs> and he was like, I don't want to draw right. Spider-Man. Because he came from another background. He was doing something completely different. And his style didn't look anything like Ditko. So he was like, mm, I'm going to do something that is not Ditko. But, you know, they gave him the, the go ahead. And he became the artist that probably my generation identifies as Spider-Man with. I mean, I knew I, I, I knew Ditko much later than uh, I knew Romita. For me, Spider-Man was Romita. And later I found out about Ditko. So the, the fact that Romita was able to make it his right. own is because he didn't try to emulate anyone else. Not Absolutely. even, you know, Ditko, which was, he was an amazing artist. And he gave Spider-Man, but there we go again with the, the I'm a very uh, Jungian guy, you know, because of Carl Jung. I love the, the, the archetypes, right? And I've been studying them for a long time, which is why I like the, the tarot as, as, a, um, as a, you know, symbolic archetypal, you know, you can call it a divination yeah. system. I call it sort of, you know, it's, it's a collection of, of, of archetypes. And it happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And it happens in, in the way in, in what we work, it happens a lot because you always have the hero, you always have the villain, you always have the turncoat, you have the, you know, the comic relief, it's, you have. It's the uh, different masks of the same gods and different cultures from Campbell. Exactly. Right. Every right. culture has a trickster god. They have a storm god. They have a father god, a mother god. Exactly. Right? So what I always uh, try to tell people who, who come to me and, and maybe ask me, you know, uh, how can I make uh, this, you know, stand out or uh, how can I mm, develop my style? And, you know, the thing you have to learn is that you cannot escape the stories that we have always told ourselves. Right? As, right as a species we like and we and we tell certain stories because they are universal and there's people being born all the time that never heard yes. them and they're going to hear them again and they're going to be as fascinated by them as we were when we were kids because um when i was i don't have the time right now but uh we played a a small campaign of uh, Tiny D6 with my kids. And they were like, oh, you know, a dragon appeared. And it was like, right. wow, 
a dragon. This is crazy, you know. And and it didn't have to be a dragon like you know. I, I see it a lot in in the official D and D materials, for example, that they're trying to make this, you know. A frost giant dragon eldritch leech whatever the thing you know and it's like one thing on top of another and it's like you know a dragon is a pretty fascinating creature in itself you know you don't need to add a lot of uh, you know gimmicks to make yeah. it work yeah the same goes for Absolutely. heroes for villain for villains for everything you can but- add your touch but yeah, you have to be careful. Absolutely. So let, let's talk about that in the realm of illustration. So one yes. of the things uh, you often do when we work together is I will come to you with an idea and I will say, hey, I need you in this case, we'll pick a dragon. Yeah. I will say, I need yeah. you to draw a dragon for this book. Here's you yeah. know the physical dimensions and the details of how the art needs to be made or whatever. But yeah, exactly. I will say the visual style, sometimes I will say it's open to you. Sometimes I will give you specific pointers. Like, I don't want it to look like this, but I want it to look more like this. Yeah. Right? Or I'll give you totally. some reference images, et cetera. How, yeah. in, in the terms of communicating the story through a single panel, how important are those references? And is there is there like a style of reference you prefer? Do you prefer visual references? Do you like text references? Do you like, you know... Like somebody to sculpt a 3D model out of clay or draw a stick <laughs> figure, or like what kind oh, of man. should I'm I compose gonna, an interpretive ballet yeah, yeah. about it for you as a reference? Like I'm going, I'm going to get you sculpting really soon. No, <laughs> but yeah, I mean it depends on 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 you know uh, the client. If we're talking about you in this instance, but. In general, sure. you know, when I get uh, private commissions or or even a, a comic book script, it depends on the client and how in control they want to be right. uh, with what they later will see on the page or on the uh, image, right? So if you want to be super specific and give me, you know, visual references are great because you can see what the person is sort of you know thinking about when they're uh sending you that brief so visual references are great if you can add text to that to you know sort of break down what makes your interpretation of this dragon for example yours that is also great and it gives me contrary to you know what you always hear artists sort of complain about um you know people uh, i mean the the publishers or editors being super you know overbearing and 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 you know micromanaging your image and whatnot and i usually prefer to have more references than not right because that gives me the freedom to draw which is what i like to do maybe I don't want to sit down and have an, an right. amazing concept of a dragon. Maybe that's your job. And my job is to bring it to life, right? And I have a great right. time with that, uh, which happens. Usually, I don't know if you've seen a script by Alan Moore, but I, I imagine you have. Is this the uh, the Twilight of Superheroes one that yeah, never well, came out? Yeah. I, th- there's been a lot of published 
Alan Moore uh, scripts, you know, from that oh. to The Killing Joke yes. and hey, whatever. I thought you, you were referring to a specific Yeah, no, 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 no. Yes. There's been a lot I of have. manuscripts. And, and the guy sort of, you know, writes you a book for a couple of pages, right? And everyone's like, oh, so difficult to work like that. And I was, I'm like, no, it's great because you don't have to think about it at all. You just sit down and you enjoy drawing, right. which is what I love to do. But if you want to make it uh, more collaborative, like we do, you sort of right. come to me and say, yeah, I'm thinking about dragons, but, you know, dragons uh, in more of a Viking, you know, Norse sure. mythology vein, right? So you go like, draw me a dragon that's you know, more oriented towards that. And so there I put more of myself. But what I think makes it, I've heard a lot, a lot. I'd say the majority of my clients always say the same thing about my images, which is, wow, you, it's like you read my mind, right? So it's interesting because I think the key there it's not so much uh, my style, or it's that I don't, I don't, mm, you know, I don't twist the archetype. They want me to draw right. a dragon, so I'm going to draw a dragon, and I'm going to add certain elements that can come from me or can come sure. from your brief, but it's going to be a dragon because in the right. end, that's what people want to see. If they ask you to draw a dragon, in the end, they want to see a dragon. Right, they don't want to see like a serpent Unless with they wings. Specifically, say I want like an eight-winged, three-legged, really weird dragon. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which is so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, related to that, because you and I have worked together for almost a decade at this point. Oh my yes. god. Yes. Yes, Jesus, and we're old and tired. <laughs> You're getting grayer every day. Yes. So. Yes. The uh, we we have reached a rapport in our artist writer relationship where I will give you an idea, and if you have feedback, you feel comfortable enough almost always to approach me and say, "Hey, I know you asked for X, but I had this idea for Y. What do you think?" And we and we kind of collaborate back and forth to make sure it works. Yes, and sometimes I say, "Hell, that's great. Yeah, do your thing," or I'll say no, uh, I have a really specific vision. Here's why. And I'll kind of communicate that to you. So you understand the intent. Yeah. Now as, and and that's sort of you and I, that sprung up just due to working together so much. And, you know, we talk almost every day at this point. My, my wife, I think assumes if I'm talking to somebody (laughs) online is you at this juncture. Yeah. Unfortunately for you, because I'm always asking questions about, you know, Oh, let's do this and let's do that. And then, (laughs) well, the benefit is we have a time difference, so you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> I can, I can be like, oh, I was asleep, <laughs> even, totally. even if yeah. I'm not. Yeah, or I, I mean, like you said, we've been working uh, so long that you can just say, you know, Nick, draw what I tell you to draw. <laughs> it's like we have deadlines, man. <laughs> Get absolutely. <to> <laughs> I don't care what it looks like. I just need it done yeah. so I can release yeah. the product. Well, oh, well, but that's a really important thing that I've learned thanks to you 
so I'm making you responsible again. But oh the, the, I mean, I knew it, but I didn't put it in practice. The whole right. finished, not perfect, right? So I rather have a book out and not have a great idea sitting in a right. stash of paper in my room. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if art is part of that book, that is part of that process, right? Exactly. Even if the text is all done for an RPG and you're, you know, we'll say dilly dallying over the art because you want it to be perfect. Well, then I'm not making money to pay you for art. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And th that's a problem that maybe, you know, it's become so, how do you, how do I don't know how to put it, but it, it's become so, uh, so every part of the process of the creative process has become so niche, like writers only write and, and artists only write. And the editor is there to, you know, uh, push them both uh, for them to make uh, the deadline or follow the, the line instructions and, and so forth. And I think that what we have and what I try to have with other writers and other authors is that back and forth where we can all contribute to the product so right. that we understand what the other person might be feeling or might be i mean i i don't put editors in the you know the bad guy category like oh, oh heavens man, no these guys are only there to you know uh, hound me about deadlines and i mean they're doing their job and their job consists of making a product on time so if you're not on time absolutely the whole line gets you know broken up you you can't yes you can't you can't nothing will make a company look profitable than having nothing to release right like, exactly if you, if you're but, putting stuff out you can't pay people but at the same time which is something that you do a lot is you have to be able to step into you know an artist or a writer or whatever shoes and understand that as much as we can uh industrialize and 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 you know schedule art it's still art right and there's yep. going to be days that you're going to be stuck or that you're not going to be in the mood for, I mean, you can write maybe uh, three RPGs in an afternoon if you're feeling like it. And then some of the days you sit down and you're like, what, why I'm, why am I doing this? I should have been, right. you know, uh, uh, <laughs> a wall. Should have been a, I should have been a lawyer like mom wanted. Right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I could be a judge by now. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, why? Why hey, am I doing this? If you made this? me a judge, I would still resolve it with dice. It would be no good for anybody. <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, truly objective, because it's like, yeah, well, okay, now it's got to the you point You are sentenced to 3d6 <laughs> years in prison. <laughs> exactly. That would be amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to, uh, I don't know, maybe as an industry, because uh, I see the word industry uh used a lot in the u.s right so sure. every, every, everything's an industry for for uh north americans it's the fitness yes. industry it's the rpg industry right. it's the, and industry i think you know sort of takes you to this place where it's something that's 
you know, highly organized and mechanized and, and you know, and very sort of uh, flat, right? It's an industry. It's like That's... A, B, C gives us D and there we go. That is interesting. I had never considered that perspective. I have always referred to it as industry just to define sort of the parameters of the conversation. Right. right. And, and like it's to me, really... the RPG industry is just people who make RPGs. Yes. It doesn't but... matter where you are in a hierarchy or anything. It's just sort of drawing kind of a dotted line around the conversation. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I get that the term was first, you know, put there to define those limits. But sometimes uh, the way we say or the, the words we choose to describe something actually, you know, affect that something that we are describing. So when you uh, say industry, I think of a factory, right? right? I think of a great building with blocks of cement and, you know, a line of people doing their job. And, you know, if one stops the, the line, the, the whole process gets, you know, fumbled and whatnot, which is something that I've recently discovered with uh, manga because I've been getting more into it after ignoring it for years to my detriment. Usually editors in manga help the authors develop their ideas, develop their, their stories. Right. You know, they help in the visual process. They, they go like, yeah, but you know, this panel could be this and you could divide this. I mean, they are creative people as, as well. And usually when we say industry, it, it, you know, it becomes this sort of gray process, this sort of, you know, really dull process in which I write something, you draw it, I package it, and, you know, another person right. ships it. And I think art is, uh, it's more organic than that. Sure. It's, you know... I mean in our modern world where if you want to make a living with art, you do have the tendency to need to commercialize it. Yes, totally. It, it becomes a friction point between, I think what you were describing as this organic nature of art and yes. the need, especially at a small scale, like you and I operate on to always be commercializing it. So we can afford to keep having the organic moments that make art. Right. Yes. But uh, also I think it's, it's, it has to be a, a conscious decision that you make, which is why I like working with you and with Gallon Night Games. You know, you never sacrifice the the creative part because you have to put a product out, right? I mean, if you are going to, you know, spend money on, on a product, you want that product to be something that you can relate to, that you can cry to, that you can tell your kids about, that you can tell your friends about. It's not just, which is what I, what I see in the in the RPG industry, you know, the large conglomerates like Wizards of the Goats and so forth. They make the the the, the cookie cutter product, right? The 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 product that you know will sell that has a lot of, you know, um, marketing behind it, and you know, people like dragons. So we're gonna make you know like. 15 different dragons with scales and, and ice and fire. Right. And, you know, so I like the indie stuff because the indie stuff brings the sort of life that I think this uh, field and this medium needs to thrive. 
like sure. I, I've seen, uh, you know, the all the cover, all the the coverage of Gen Con, and I see a lot of indie stuff that is great that are maybe you know little uh, scenes RPG scenes, and and I've seen so many amazing styles and and stories and and whatever you can think of in really small spaces and maybe just a couple of pages then right. uh, you know makes me have more fun and makes me want to join more than maybe those you know thick books that just you know i mean they're great right professionally they're great and they they have a great standard but they lose a little bit of that you know that that spark that organic thing in the process that i think the indies are always uh, sort of you know keeping alive and speaking sure. of, of of the words we use to describe certain things then affecting that uh I, there's a discussion in in you know uh in social media especially about content and art and writing and photography and modeling and everything being content. And, you know, I agree with those that say that content sort of, you know, kind of brings down uh, a bit of, you know, all these different mediums that are great in them. I mean, an amazing illustration by, I don't know, we were talking about Mobius, you know, before mm-hmm. we started recording. But an amazing illustration by Mobius cannot be just content, you know, something that you scroll by and okay, that's that, and you keep scrolling, right. and so you you want to stop, you want to look at it, you want to take it in and have an opinion. Exactly, and maybe you want to take it home, and maybe you want to take it out every few weeks and look at it again, and you'll find. Uh, something else that you didn't see the first time and i think it's a whole you know both the the comic book industry and the rpg uh industry and all the industries could use with a little bit of you know winding down this this need to you know constantly uh searching for the best product out there that will send that will sell hundreds right. of millions of dollars, which is what I see, again, with Gollum Night Games. Uh, Jake Ishii, you know, usually puts out a product, and maybe it won't be, you know, the greatest product ever made, but it's going to find an audience, and that audience is going to love it. I still get messages about Beach Patrol, for example. Oh. Which, if you think about, yeah. But if you think about it, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I mean, you did an RPG about, you know, <laughs> lifeguards. <laughs> yeah. And I drew it. I had a lot of fun with it. People had a lot of fun with it, and I still get asked about it, right? So yeah, that that back that back and forth and that interaction with with people and that you know again with the organic thing that going forward and bad words and and telling you you know i played this game and i had a lot of fun i think in in the we don't have the word industry 
we don't we don't have to let it you know eat the the concept right or or the world that it is referring to right i think we have right. to keep the organic part alive as much as possible of course we have to work we need money we need you know i'm not saying that i'm i'm not going oscar wilde right and then we have to s just sit down and look at the sky and then smell the flowers right i i'm not that much of a hippie but uh right. <laughs> but or a bohemian but as much as we can i like to keep that that fun part yeah. of the process alive and i think that if you have fun and if you enjoy what you do people notice it and the people that are going to be attracted to your product are going to be people that enjoy it that that you know cherish it and are not going to be complaining that i don't know yeah. you charged an extra dollar for your rpg or Oh, you didn't make the dwarves like super great, and I've been waiting for dwarves to be super great all these years. Yep, mm, no. <laughs> I mean, I prefer to have an, a, a different relationship with with my audience, and and I I sort of suffer a bit from it because I've seen okay. other accounts in social media, for example, that have much more following and widespread you know acclaim and whatnot and my right. account is usually you know very low in numbers i mean compared to others but the people that are following me are amazing you know i can count on them to understand what i'm doing and to to you know really love what i'm doing and, and keep pushing me to to keep doing it right absolutely it happens it happens to me with you i mean you do that for me well, you know I'm, I'm happy to tell you that you're not good enough and to do better i will always push you <laughs> yeah absolutely and and to work faster <laughs> right. work faster and damn it <laughs> work faster art monkey which i think is my yes. term i send you in messages sometimes yes yes when yes I'm, yes when i'm feeling so, especially sarcastic yes yes Yes. But yes. I, I love so, being being an art monkey. For, it, for Gallon Mad Games, at least. Oh well. <laughs> I we we love having you. You've illustrated quite a few of our books. So is there one of our books you've illustrated? You know, you mentioned Beach Patrol gets brought up a lot, but is there one you are particularly proud of or really feel very strongly about? Oh man, this is gonna sound really corny, but I yeah. I love them all. Really? I sometimes I sit down and I look through the through the Gallon Night Games folder, and I'm like, "Wow, this one was great!" And then I jump onto the other, and and I'm like, oh, "This one was great as well." And you know, but if you put me in the spot, because of my background and what I've always loved to do and everything, I think you know what I'm going to say. But I, I do. Uh, Tiny Supers, it's you know. That one is is maybe the the first really big game that that you trusted me with. I mean, in terms of of you know the page count and the number of illustrations yeah. that that it had, and the the development 
as well because you trusted me to come up with concepts without you you know going into nitpicky territory like uh, yeah right. i need a superhero that has you know the suit is going to be this color and it's going to have these gloves and it's going to have these boots no no you just you told me you know what the essence of the character was and you let me run with it so sure and the fact that we created a whole you know uh universe with right. a lot of characters yeah. that's you know i i hadn't done it before ever and it was great and i think it's yeah yeah it's the okay. one i i love the most especially when... the the supplement with the the south american heroes the i Gallant mean verse campaign guide yes the international angle was great i loved doing all those heroes you know and going to yeah. europe and going to to um, coming down here to South America and and that was amazing and it opened so many other doors and I was I'm always sitting down thinking like yeah this is a big deal I mean for right. me at least it is but uh, I hope for people as well but yeah for me it was Tuesday as M Bison would say <laughs> of course. Yes. No. And when folks ask me, I often tell them on a personal level because of how much I love the genre and how well I feel the book came together. Tiny Supers is probably my favorite of the Tiny D6 games. Obviously, I love them all, but there is a there's a personal satisfaction for me as a lifelong comics reader and person who deeply cares about comics as a medium to be able to one release a superhero RPG that felt unique and distinctive. And two, you know, the year it came out, 2019, it was the best-selling superhero RPG on Drive-Thru RPG. Yes. Like that, that was a big deal to me personally because I think it's a medium that uh, is often misunderstood in terms of gaming. And at least for me, I felt like Tiny Supers really got it right in a way that worked for me as a gamer, but also as a creative. Yes, because I think, and, and we circle back to what we've been talking about, that is because we understand and I'm, I'm maybe i'm self-aggrandizing a bit here but we understand the archetypes and we wanted to bring you know the the fun and the joy of those archetypes right. to the game and we weren't trying to you know sell a gimmick or do you know or or, or compete with the marvel universe or <laughs> anything like that if if anything we were trying to pay homage to all the people that right. inspired us when we were kids. And when we Absolutely. opened a comic book, we went like, wow, this is amazing. You know, and I think that that shows. I think that what that's what what made it the the you know a best selling game and people mm. connected with it. Yeah. I and I appreciate that. So, you know, if you could look at any of the games you've illustrated uh, with me, is there any of them you'd want to redo? Like you feel like you've grown as an artist or you, you know, think you could add a twist that would make it maybe more distinctive or more flavorful or something like that. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try not to, to make, you know, uh, too long of a silence or, or funny noises while, while I think. 
but yeah, no, I think, you know, and I'd never thought about it. So it's a great question. I never, I usually finish a project and, you know, five minutes after you finish it, as creatives do, you hate it. It's like, oh man, this piece of garbage and you don't, you know, you start something else. For me, the 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 books I've illustrated for for Galenet Games have all they've become a path, right? A journey, if you will. So it's the first time, I think, right? It's the first time that I don't look back on a project and go like, ugh. I changed this, or uh, I wish I, I could have done this in, in color. Even something going back to uh, Tiny Wastelands, for example, which was, you know, one of the first... I think that was things. the first major project we did together. Yes, yes, I think it was. And I look at it now, and it's like, yeah, it holds up really well. Yeah. And I mean, of course, if I did it now, maybe I'd do it with a bit more skill, uh, sure. Maybe I'd add, you know, certain effects that I I didn't um, completely manage to put down on paper, but the essence of the work is there. So I don't feel the need to change it because it's like, you know, it's a snapshot of a moment in time, and really, which again, right. it's what happens to me when I when I uh, I take a look at the folder. And it's like, oh, this game is like, wow, this is great. And I, in fact, at some point, I'd say uh, I don't even uh, view them as games anymore. Okay. And more like, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the term is going to sound like super pretentious, but <laughs> I kind of see them as, as works of art, right? Sure. So if we took uh, Picasso, yeah, and so, so right. since we're self-aggrandizing, let's keep going. Uh, if you took Picasso and brought him, you know, uh, and told him, well, you know, you have this face of your work that is amazing. Everyone loved it. You know, the critics think it's the best work you've done. But would you consider the other works you've done, you know, sort of less or... I don't think sure. he, you know, I don't think he'd go for it. I think, especially for for artists, visual artists, we have to understand that every single image that we do is a step in uh, in a direction, right? It could be forwards, it could be backwards to revise something that you think you could do better, but it's always working forward. It, so, yeah, yeah, I they're works of art. Truly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a great answer. Oh, not terribly helpful for the actual question, but you know, <laughs> very a no, very long but, a very yes, long dodge. Yes. I'm a long winded kind of guy. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I, I bore that's fine. In my family too. So, <laughs> so we're coming up on time here, Nick. Yes. Um, do you have any particular uh, questions you'd like to ask me? Man, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, I think okay. uh, 
I think you work. I think you're you're constantly working and constantly mm. creating. So, I think the best thing that anyone can do with uh, Alan Barr is to just ask him what he's making at the time. Sure, <laughs> and, that's fair. And, yeah, and let him, you know, like tell you, yeah, there's this concept and this concept, and I've. I've written this and I'm writing this and and it's like, wow, great. <laughs> Fair enough. So yes. what I am currently working on at the moment yes. is I just finished laying out Siege Perilous. Yes, which is amazing. Well, thank you. Very. Uh, I got to work with Tom Brown on that one and I was very excited. Yes. He really brought it to life. Yes. His illustrations are, you know, I compared him once uh, with, uh, I told him that he reminded me of uh, Michael Kaluta, and he was like, oh, it's amazing because I love the guys in the studio. And, and I told him, I mean, I meant it. Like, he's got that style that's really yeah. difficult to, to, to bring to the table. I think it's that's uh, absolutely amazing. accurate. Yeah. Yes. I have started working on an expansion for one of the projects we did together. Um, oh. It was a deep dark. I'm working on a Hell Knights expansion for it that will allow you to be dwarves and goblins invading a underground and underwater lake of Hell Knights. Oh man, you added you added the water and you made it even better. <laughs> Hell Knights riding giant underwater anglerfish monsters. Oh yes. Yes, man. Oh, yes. shoot. But I have to finish stuff first. You so, do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's your warm up for the day, right? <laughs> but you, you do that. You see, you, you, you keep me, you keep me tied up <laughs> with your amazing ideas. And then uh, Tiny Cyberpunk is underway. Yes. So I've uh, almost finished writing on that. So those are sort of the three things I'm currently got on my plate, though I have some other stuff as well. That I yes. am working on. So. Yes. As usual, because you're very poly- prolific. Well, I like to not starve. <laughs> and if I don't work on yeah. things, I will starve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So. And I am working on various uh, things. Uh, a You've of been doing some comics works lately. Yeah. What yes, are you working on yes, for that? Yes. That I, I'm, I, I really can't say because of the, the bane of NDAs. But. Uh, yeah, wow. there is one project in particular that's been going on for years, and I think it's going to be published next year. And it's, you know, it's a hefty book because I've done like hundreds of pages for it on and off. Yeah, that's going to be a, a big can, one. Can and you ask who is coming through? Uh, it's going to be self-published. Oh. The the author got tired of shopping around and getting no's for an answer. So I can he, understand that. Yes. He finally went like, yeah, I'm going to put it out myself and, you know, get it out there. Sure. I, so I that's, one of that. the, that's one of the bigger ones. Then I have a lot of work with uh, Gallant Night Games, of course. And uh, then I have a couple of, uh, you know, personal things I've been doing. Like the the Iron Guard strip I've been posting on social yes. media, which is you know it sort of 
happens within the universe of, of tiny supers. If, if yes, I mean, you know more how the universe works from the writing stance. So, yep. but that is something that I've been exploring for the past yeah the past couple of years. I've been wanting to do okay. strips for a long time. So social media gives you that space, you know, to post something maybe daily. Absolutely. And um, honestly, I, I wanted to, you know, expanding the, the tiny supers universe because sure. it's like, why draw Batman when you have, you know, all of these characters that you designed and that are amazing and that have no fine art or art uh, i mean outside of the book right so it's like yeah i'm going to draw you know superman no 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 i have to stop myself and go back to tiny supers and and draw something from there which i think it's much more uh productive <laughs> in the end sure well i think that's i mean i think there's certainly i, I would never stop anybody from drawing drawing superman because you know Superman. But, <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. But yeah. uh But we've got this, our yeah. Superman, so Absolutely. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. So okay. Well, uh there's always two questions I ask folks at the end. Oh, um man. and I'm gonna start with the first one. And the first one is name quickly in a bullet point form, just kind of briefly. Who are the three artists who inspire you the most and sort of help define what makes Nick, an artist. Yes, you 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 kind of let me know about this one uh, beforehand, so I've been thinking about it. I'd say, well, like I told you, Mobius would be first. Absolutely. Then we've got uh, Bruce Tim, because Bruce is just like I mean, all of my superhero work comes from Bruce Tim <laughs> and his sure. influence. And all of the Franco-Belgian artists, Herge, Uderzo, the, the artist for Asterix. Yeah. All, okay. all the European influences you can think of, I love those. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah one Mike, one Mike thing Mignola. we can share is we love uh, Franco-Belgian comics. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. And of course, Mike uh, Magnolia is fantastic. So. Yes, Mike is amazing. I, I still, you know, every time I open up one of his Hellboys, I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> it is it is a bit unfair. Oh, man. And what he can do with just a couple of lines. It's like, well, speaking of a couple of lines, Alex Toth, I've been, you know, Same. going over again. And yeah. that guy. I mean, Jesus. If again, if I could draw, I think my three biggest uh, influences would be Hal Foster. Yes. Big Hal Foster fan. Yes. Totally. Juliette. Yes. Juliette is the, just a genius. And then I really, I really always loved. Now I'm blanking on his name. The he was the he drew Supergirl. He drew Witchblade. Oh, um, Michael, Michael Turner. Turner? Yes. yes. I've always been a big Michael Turner uh, fan. Yes. The first, he was actually the first uh, comic artist I learned to recognize by sight 
for his art and put a name to it. So he he blew everyone's heads off when he drew Witchblade. It was like it was a style that that had never been seen before, and spawned a lot of you know guys that that followed him after. But yeah, I loved Turner. Yeah, Turner's So I think those would great. be those yes. would be my three. Yes, heavily detailed, heavy on the details for those influences because yeah. Hal Forster and Roulette is like. Oh. Jesus, so many lines. I'm more like, you know, I want to, to go to that as point. As few lines as possible so I can go yes. as fast as possible. Yes, I want that Alex Toth power of, you know, of drawing three lines and making a face. Jesus, I don't know how he did. But yeah, well, yeah. practice. <laughs> yes, that's how it always is. Yes, totally. Okay, and then the last question I always ask. Oh, wait. Nope, I've asked them all. Oh, wait, have I asked you? No, I'm so sorry. We've been talking so much that I blanked. Uh, have I asked you if you, uh, what's one question you've always wanted to be asked in an interview that you've never been asked? Well, to be honest here, I don't do a lot of interviews. So I'm doing this one for you because, you know, we're great friends and collaborators. Sure. Well, I appreciate I that. I usually prefer my my art to do the talking but when i've done interviews i think what i've never been asked is if if it's difficult you know to make art because usually people sort of assume that because you have a talent it makes it easier oh and, interesting i and I always yeah. assume it's difficult to be creative. <laughs> well, but because you are a creative. And, and that so very you know. well might be. But even since yes. my youth, before I, you could say I was, you know, creative per se. So in the same you know. way I am now. I was, but, us I, but usually people will hear you say, I wrote an RPG. And they'll go like, oh, yeah, of course. He wrote an RPG. And yeah, it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's, you get frustrated a lot. You have to put in a lot of time. And, well, that's another thing. You can write an RPG in a day because you've been doing this for how many years? Uh, maybe too long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you're not, going, you're not going to stop now. This is when, when it gets good. Now that we are older... <laughs> and we're making, you know, the good stuff now. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that's something that that people seldom ask. If it's hard, if it's difficult, you know, they'll they'll see me draw and they'll go like, "Oh, man, you make it look so easy." Yeah. <laughs> it ain't. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. But it's, I mean, like all like all good things in life, they're hard. Nothing that comes, at least in my experience, nothing that comes to you easy is something you know. I I I I like fighting for things, really. Skill earned is, um, in some ways, more valuable because you learn so much getting to that point where you can. Yes. Absolutely. Which goes, again, 
back to what we were discussing about the whole industrialization of of art and the organic right. process sometimes if you when you learn to draw a a, a flower maybe it takes you years but it's better uh, from a spiritual perspective than you know getting a program to do it for you absolutely understand that yeah it's 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 the small things it's the simple things which is why right. i love uh tiny d6 because it may look super simple but it isn't uh, it's like it's hard because they give you i mean you you give players like the bare minimum and then tell them go out and make something out of this and that's a lot <laughs> you don't get to cut corners with that you have to put your mind to it and imagine and yeah yeah right i mean i th i think people help us a lot in in many of the projects that we have made i think they are the the other mm -hmm. half of the equation from the creators that end up adding a lot to the I mean, if if you put out a lot of rules, then it's about you. But right. when you go to the the, you know, when you go for for the 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 simple stuff, for the core stuff, that engages you like crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Nick, oh I man, thank you. I left you thinking like a lot. You were like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for making time to come on. I know uh, locking you down for any sort of non-drawing related <laughs> presentation is difficult, and I I know how much you uh, dislike interviews per se. So uh, I appreciate you making the time. It, it's wonderful to get to talk to you and to let people, you know, hear your voice and your ideas and your insights. Oh, Jesus. I bet some of them are going to use them to, to go to sleep, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if they're, if radio free RPG isn't putting them to sleep, what am I even doing here? <laughs> Nick, no, no. If, folks, if folks want to find you and support you, where's the best way to do so? Uh, well, lately on, on social media, on Instagram and Facebook is where I'm posting daily. So uh, if you look for me there under my name, I'm going to pop up and you can give me a follow. And of course, anything that, uh, I mean, there are a lot of uh, JGG projects I'm, I'm making. So if you follow Gala Night Games, you're going to find me there for sure. All right. Well, folks, this has been my guest, Nicholas Giacondino. And I am Alan Barr, and I want to thank you for listening to Radio Free RPG. We'll see you next time.